everybody. Welcome to Project Rusty, where we take a break from playing video games to play with the news. I'm Robert, and I'm joined here by Austin. What's up? Mike. Hello. And our guest this week, Trevor. Hey, yeah. And you know what we do here every week. We talk about the weird stuff in the news, but this week we have a little special a uh, little segment where we actually have breaking news updates on stuff we've talked about before. If you listen to previous episodes of Project Rusty, Mike uh, has talked about that censorship issue with the Devil May Cry 5 PS4 Western Edition. And guess what? They've patched that out. You can now see Trisha's bare ass. Nice. Oh, yes, fans <laughs> out there. There you go. Yeah, I, I just I find it so weird that that is patch culture nowadays. What would what would like the exact patch notes for that read? I wonder. Ass. Uh, <laughs> patch one point oh seven. Ass. Ass. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think um, they're not quite out yet, but people have just noticed it. And this is also the the patch that adds Bloody Palace, so that's the thing everyone's kind of mm. interested in. So the decentorship thing is just kind of like a footnote. Probably. Okay. That'd be my guess. I I was wondering if someone might say a more lewd um, phrase of bottom note, but no one took what I threw out when I said footnote. You know, it's about uh, the bottom note to the patch. Damn, I get it. That's, that's just so cheesy. Yeah, the footnote. See, I, I hope it's not cheesy. That sounds awful. But yeah, so that's a quick little update on things we've talked about before. And I want to toss the ball now to Mike. What have you brought to the table this week? All right. So you guys have heard of uh, EVE Online, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. You guys know how massive that game is, right? Oh, Unfortunately, yeah. Somebody has seen everything in that game. No, I doubt it. It's not possible. There's no way. They're lying. It took oh, them God. over 10 years oh, to do this. Oh my God. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a fifth grade education, my friend. <laughs> Just imagine yeah. if it took them 10 years, then like the developers had to make all that. That's insane, too. Just thinking how much effort went into it. I just, I, like, is it someone on the dev team for EVE? No. Oh, man. Someone that's been playing the game since it came out in 2003. Um, And then an expansion came out in 2009, and they barely just, uh, yeah, they barely saw everything just recently. Dude, I can't, I cannot function I cannot functionally understand this because I maybe have 600 hours in Skyrim across all the times I've played it. I'm pretty sure I still mm. haven't seen everything in that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ditto here. Yeah, same here. And this is an MMO that is constantly updated, constantly evolving, always changing. People lose money in this game and this man has seen everything. Yeah, I've seen it all. But I wonder, like, has has a dev responded saying, no, that's impossible or anything? No. Um, Polygon interviewed the person 
And yeah, that's what they said. It took them over 10 years to do this. Oof. But is there any proof? Like, I mean, I I could say that, right? Or anybody with an account that long could say that. I don't want to be the devil's advocate, but like, you know. You think he didn't see everything. He's just saying it to say it. I mean, how do you know? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, because MMOs do change a lot. I mean, I don't yeah. think they like constantly add new places, but they're always new events, new skins, new themes. Well, it seems they're they're uh, what do you call it? Guild is backing them up. Uh, I just like you guys. <laughs> you guys realize that uh, I don't know if there's a living human being who's seen all of the real life world that we're living and breathing right now, but we have this documented. <laughs> that that's true. That that you suddenly put a more momentous spin on this than I initially thought. Like, do we have other examples of this kind of thing? Seeing the entirety of a world or a virtual world, like uh, speedrunners have come close. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, this is that's just I. I don't know why. Like, why? You know, I can't think of a single game I would play for ten years on the reg. To the point where I'd be like, I want to see everything in this world. You should put it on his resume because that is impressive. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I got the Dean's List in high school and uh, I've seen everything in EVE Online in 10 years. Oh, well, that's, that's very impressive. Um... <laughs> You're hired, President. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, hey, Trevor, what have you brought to the table this week? Well, I've brought to the table a little neat little pre-order bonus for Rage 2 that was announced on April Fool's, but isn't a joke. And what it is, well, the premise is they're bringing back cheat codes, and one of the cheat codes in this DLC called He's on Fire will let you add in lines from Tim Kitzrow, who's the voice actor from NBA Jam, the announcer in NBA Jam, essentially meaning you can have the announcer from NBA Jam sounding off while you're playing Rage 2. Oh, man. All I have to say through this is from downtown. Boom shakalaka. I'm so excited. Yes. (laughs) Like, I don't even care if Rage 2 is a mediocre game. That alone is going to make it fun. I love the style of Rage 2 so far. Like, don't they have that freaking uh, talking head mounted on a wall as like a special edition? Yep. Yeah. That's just insane. And actually releasing news on April Fool's Day and it turns out to be real. I mean, that's ballsy. You got to give it to him. True. There was a lot of weird April Fool's stuff out there. Yeah. yeah. I, always, I liked the Final Fantasy 16 trailer that came out. Oh, I know. That was great. I was just saying we could do like a whole podcast on that, but technically it would be fake news, wouldn't it? Same. And that's we don't like that here. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I don't know. I I am excited for Rage 2. I think I want it day one, although I'm a little worried because a lot of the previews I'm seeing are "Eh, it's fine. It's open world. 
Maybe that's okay for it, though. Maybe it should just be a fine little fun, solid shooter you can dive into and play for a little bit and then put away. Like, that's that's its place, I think. Just zany and kind of kind of a good, you know, when you, you get home and you just want to jump into a game for a little bit kind of thing. Yeah, mm. I mean, I guess my hopes were just a little high. I was kind of hoping this would be... Oh, see, here's the thing. When they first announced it, I thought this would just be the new Borderlands because Borderlands was dead. But that changed in the last week, didn't it? Yes. <laughs> yep. Actually, can we take a moment? Did you guys watch that whole Gearbox PAX East event? No. I, I only watched watch the trailer. Guys, I've heard things about it. Randy Pitchford <laughs> spent 20 minutes doing a magic trick on stage. <laughs> 20 <laughs> minutes almost. Was it a good trick? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Here's the thing. They they had this this new tabletop Borderlands game and they were going to joke like, haha, this is the new Borderlands game, guys. And the tabletop thing's real. I believe you can buy it. But uh, he had two copies of it, right? And he handed one to one crowd member and another to another crowd member. And the first one, he was like, you know, pick a card, any card, because there are cards in this game. And then he asked the guy to sign the card, and then he shuffled it into the deck. And he's going to do the whole, you know, when I pull out the card, it's going to be yours because it's signed, right? But he goes over to the other person's uh, gift box and tells them to open up their game and then shuffle their deck. And he's like, hey, I'm going to pull out the signed card from your deck right so it's like oh that's magic right <laughs> the camera angle was tilted slightly up so while they were shuffling the cards you, you all the cards are signed and they're all the exact same card oh no 100% oh. chance of success <laughs> that's tragic and that took 20 minutes of the show Guys, mm. it was a train wreck. I mean, to be fair, that's magic. It's like camera tricks now because, well, I just, I just assumed that they, the people filming, didn't know, and so they weren't prepared for it. But I mean, that's what a lot of magic is, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But that's sad that it failed. It's funny, actually. I, I'm not it's sad hilarious. about it. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> I got now. I definitely need to watch it. I don't think I think my description is fine. I think you've gotten all you need. <laughs> really? That, okay. I mean that like that's just I'm hardly shocked. That's just like par for the course after the recent news stories from Gearbox about, you know, the lost USB at a medieval times and all that like, okay, it's mm. going to be here we go again. Randy Pitchford making a fool out of himself this and and silliness. Yeah, Randy Pitchford's a wild guy. Yeah. I, I kind of I couldn't shake the feeling of like but you like child porn every time I yeah. saw him on stage. It was it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. So Trevor, you're I, a big id fan. Mhm. You're definitely looking forward to it and I take it you're going to be pre-ordering it. Well, I may I may not pre-order it like my excitement for for Rage 2 um would be like it's not like, you know, Doom Eternal. I am looking forward to it because of that pre-order bonus, though. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm I'm not into to the whole 
mounted talking heads things. I mean, to be fair, I never had the talking fish things either. So I, I have a pretty pretty clean track record when it comes to purchasing things that you put on the wall that talk. I, I just I don't like it. Mm. Definitely not a mutant head. Mm. But I will get it. Would look great in my room, I think. Same. <laughs> yeah, my thing with Rage 2 is like, I played the first one. I don't remember a thing. I just remember the color brown. <laughs> and, you know, that's not a great memory of a game. So it's nice seeing all the pink happening in Rage 2. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I just can't help but feel like if I buy the game, I'm just going to think, I wish this was Borderlands 3. And now which that Borderlands 3 is confirmed, out. yeah, which is probably mm. going to come out before the end of the year, you know. And it's, it's a tough space that it's in, I think. And that well, was kind, kind of the case with the first Rage, because it came out after Borderlands and also after Fallout 3. And, of course, that was a much different time period. It was very different. It was the first game they had shif- shipped in years at the time and all that. So there were other issues and technical issues at launch. But it, it had a hard time finding its identity. And now, like then, I think the approach has to be, well, it's like an open-world id shooter. Like, that was the thing that drew me to the original Rage. And that would help distinguish it from Borderlands and the first-person open-world Fallout games. And I think that's got to be the case with Rage 2, though. Things have changed now since, you know, 2011 when the first one came out. Right, right. I mean, John Carmack was still at id, so they were still very much like, you know, the old id of yore, whereas now id's, id's pretty different. And, you know, they've got the Doom reboot thing, which gave them like new life in a, in a sense. Yeah, honestly, I just I just want Doom Eternal. I know they recently announced QuakeCon's going to be pretty much all about Doom this yep. year, so that's exciting. DoomCon. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I'm i worried Rage 2 is setting itself up right now for just, it's going to be just as underwhelming as the first one, which isn't great, but... No. It is what it is. Uh, I want to bring up my news story for this week. Um, <laughs> it's kind of dumb. But it's amazing. Uh, you can play Call of Duty Black Ops 4's Battle Royale mode for free until the end of April. Huh? Why just April? I, April Fools? I don't know. But it, <laughs> it's, it's free to play from April 2nd to April 30. Like, it's basically an open beta, but for a whole month, and it's not a beta. I don't I don't know why. Actually, I probably know why Apex Legends, but it's kind of sad, right? Seeing the titan of first person shooters finally realize, oh, we probably shouldn't charge people $60 so they can play a a battle royale game. I'm not sad by it. You gonna play it? No. I'm just not sad by it. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to touch it either. So, I haven't heard anything about it since really now. Um, like, what are they doing with it? <laughs> I guess they're doing I, nothing with it. They're just going to make it free to play. I mean, they had uh, battle passes just like Fortnite and PUBG and Apex. <laughs> Although Apex came later, so that's not a fair comparison. Mm-hmm. But 
yeah, they're they're doing the whole battle royale thing. It's just, does anyone care? I don't know. You know that they released um, Battlefield Fives recently, and what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <When>? exactly. <laughs> Battlefield Fives battle royale mode came out, and like nobody cares about that either. God, I think it's called Firestorm. Oh yeah, that's right. I thought that was like an expansion or something. I didn't even that didn't even cross my mind that that was a battle royale. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, they just if you're gonna do a battle royale, you should make a game dedicated to it. You know. Yeah, having it be a mode kind of feels like PlayStation Three Three Sixty era. You know, where like mm-hmm. you remember Far Cry Three had an online mode. Yeah, I've had a little bit of that, but yeah, I mean, it, it was yeah. it was kind of messed up. Yeah, or like Uncharted two and three had online modes, and four, I think. I don't know. Seems whole... tacked on. Exactly, and I mean, I will say, I played one game of Blackout, you know, way back then, and it's fun. I liked it more than PUBG, I think, but not enough to play a second game. As opposed to Apex Legends, which definitely makes me want to play more. I think I've pumped like 20 hours into Apex in the first week. Yeah. That game was was good. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is a sign maybe that Blackout might go free to play permanently. Don't know how much it's going to help. Kind of like when Battleborn went free to play, I think. Did it go free to play? Yeah, it did. Yeah, I actually was one of those people that liked Battleborn, so I'm Rip. sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I just it makes me curious for what this means for Call of Duty in the future, because I feel that since Call of Duty is still an annual franchise, it always needs to key in on what's hot in first person shooters that year. And if this is what their battle royale is going to look like uh, six months after release, that doesn't spell a bright future, I think, for the Call of Duty franchise. Well, I've been saying Call of Duty is going to die for years and it just keeps coming back. So, mm, yeah, I don't yeah, know. It just keeps all limping. Yeah, somehow it still sells a lot. Hmm. Uh, Hey, Austin. Yep, you that's me. You know, I think I've got a good story. Um, you and I both have now finished Sekiro. Mm. And ugh, one hell of the so final good. boss, isn't it? I am so good. Um, yeah, and it's very good. So far, probably my game of the year. But so Forbes is kind of having some infighting. You might already know about this, but oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> one writer headlines Sekiro Shadow. Shadow, uh, sorry, I can't talk. Sekiro, (laughs) Shadows Die Twice needs to respect its players and add an easy mode. And then, about a day later, no, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice absolutely does not need an easy mode. And I love how the no is actually part of that headline. It's a direct response. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, it got a lot of uh, attention. The notion that Sekiro needs an easy mode, though, it... It got a lot of attention because I think it's ridiculous. It's silly. It defeats the whole purpose of the game. And also, I think it's just an important topic to talk about. Like, you know, a lot of people 
are finding that the game is too hard. But for me personally, I don't think that they should have any mercy. Mm. Like, I mean, what do, what do you think, Robert, since you played I mean, it? So I'm the opposite. I think it's fine for a game like that to have an easy mode. I totally respect From's decision to be like, no, we're going to keep it to be a hard game. But, you know, I, I remember seeing this argument on Twitter and I know it's like the worst place to look for arguments, right? But <laughs> um, it was something along the lines of like someone was saying that easy mode is not an ac- is not an accessibility issue. It's just a difficulty issue. But like, that's stupid. It is an accessibility issue because there are gamers of all kinds of skill levels. And to say that only the most hardcore best gamers can play my video game, that's denying access to probably a humongous market share. You know, I'm willing to bet that of all the people who have bought Sekiro up to this day, maybe only 10% of them have really beaten it. And like 90% are either still working their way through or probably a bigger majority have just given up because it's so hard. When I completed it, Xbox shows uh, percentages and that particular boss and that particular ending both had less than 2% had completed it on Xbox One. Yeah, it's I mean, like, don't get me wrong. It's a hard game. You should not buy this game if you're not ready to hit your head on a brick wall over and over. (laughs) But I do think an easy mode is fine. I respect the decision to not have it, but I don't think it's it defeats the purpose of the game to add an easy mode. I think that's just being elitist. I don't know. I mean, I know it's supposed to be hard. It's intentionally hard, but like, I I just, I'm thinking from a gameplay standpoint, what would they do? Because the whole, yeah, I guess, I guess, I mean, you still need to like, know how to parry correctly at the right time and stuff. It requires, precise timing you still need to know the mechanics of the boss and all that right it's just that when you have more window for error it uh it makes it what's the way it motivates more people because when you die in two hits to a boss and you do that 10 times that is frustrating i can easily understand why people are turned off to it but if it takes maybe like 20 hits to die to a boss sure that's not a FromSoft game at that point but it opens up the door for a ton of people to get into it. I don't know. I, I feel like that's kind of what sets it apart from other, like that's how from, I mean, okay. So they're obviously, they have incredible storytelling and uh, atmosphere and stuff, but the difficulty is also kind of like what, you know, lets them stand apart from the rest. And I guess it's just because if I beat it on easy, I wouldn't get the satisfaction, but I think the satisfaction does come from, you know, beating what seems like an insurmountable enemy, right? Mm. Then choose normal mode. Done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's really how it is. It. It's just the choice. I mean, I, I would never be offended if I opened up Dark Souls and they were like, do you want easy or normal mode? Because then I just choose normal. Easy as that. Well, what 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 do the rest of you think? Um, I mean, at this point, you should understand that a from software game is gonna be difficult. Um, I understand having an easy mode. You know, I mean, I'm not completely against it, but at the same time, you should realize what you're getting yourself into. 
Yeah, I remember seeing like a picture of a Twitter post. Some guy bought it and he's like, I can't wait to get into Sekiro. He's like, oh, I, I keep dying. He's like, I think I'm going to sell it. I don't like the game very much. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually kind of sad, but have you yeah. guys seen the Amazon reviews of that game? I haven't just just sort by the one star reviews. Yeah, almost all the one star reviews are this game is too hard. <laughs> it's like, y'all do a little bit of research before you buy your game. Come exactly. On. Yeah. You can at least agree with me on that. Oh, yeah, that's a little silly. In fact, the second most percentage are one star reviews, not even four stars. Yeah, sounds about right. And I kind of want to draw the attention from whether Sekiro needs an easy mode. That's a whole nother debate. But I remember a lot of people were giving Forbes, the entity known as Forbes, some flack because correct me if I'm wrong. I think these opinion pieces were written by Paul Tassi and Eric Kane, right? Uh, let's see. Yes, I know Eric uh, Dave, Dave Thier. That's it. Dave Thier. Easy mode. Eric Kane wants it to be the same. That's it. So there were a lot of people giving Forbes flack because, wow, you're publishing uh, controversial, not controversial, um, opposite opinions. Like, what's your opinion, Forbes? And I think Eric Kane tweeted out about this, and I just want to reiterate: an entity can't have an opinion. As these writers who have opinions, and I'm perfectly fine with two writers who work for the same outlet having opposite opinions, and one of them even plays off the other. Also, they're contributors, so... Well, every games writer at Forbes is a contributor. Exactly. Yeah. There's no, like, I am the Forbes video game writer. I will make it happen. One day, I believe. That's the goal in life. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think about the whole, like, should an outlet only publish one opinion piece about any given topic? No, I, oh, I'm, I'm comfortable with the idea of two writers at the same outlet having a different opinion and you could, we could stretch it further and think, should we apply this to other areas like not just commentary but reviews as well anything to do with opinions and you know that i think it's fair to say the traditional standard for lack of a better phrase idea is that one publication you know has their one take especially when it comes to reviews but i'm i mean personally i'm not going to like in the case of gamespot if two separate writers publish an opinion piece let's say hypothetically on i don't know like like the free call of duty black ops thing you mentioned like whether they should do that or not and there there were two GameSpot writers one of them says yes the other says no like i'm not going to think well what does GameSpot think of this i'm comfortable with well they have two writers who each offered an opinion yeah and I kind of like that idea too of divorcing it from the review. I think we're a super long way away from the public divorcing the eight out of 10 score from IGN, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I always think, and probably this comes partially because, you know, I'm a games journalist, right? Like I'm definitely more in the weeds when it comes to this stuff, but mm-hmm. I tend to try and think as much as possible, not what does Polygon think of this game, but what does Colin Campbell think of this game? 
you know like what is that mm-hmm. writer specifically because when you start following specific writers sure it's hard to keep up because there are hundreds thousands of us but you kind of get the sense of okay this person liked dark souls and i liked dark souls so i'm curious to see what he thinks about sekiro because he liked dark souls Hmm. yeah i think you will get more you will get more value out of what you read if you follow the writer rather than the entity and i've i've picked up on that as well You know, Robert, I think we should find a topic that we disagree on and do dual posts on it. Sekiro easy mode. Done. There we go. The same (laughs) thing as before. My response will be no. No. Just no. no. Yeah, just the word no. But yeah, I mean, I'm down to do debates like that if you want. You can turn Project Rusty into a debate show. Oh, God, no. <laughs> and in this corner... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, that about does it, though, I think, for this episode of Project Rusty, yeah? Yep. Uh, yeah. Hey, Austin, anything you want to shout out here at the end? Uh, follow me on Twitter, again, as usual, at Platysaur, P-L-A-T-Y-S-A-U-R, and spade in your pets. What? Good. <laughs> cool. Yeah, you so ever seen the prices, right, there. Trevor? Perfect. Thanks, Bob. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike. Uh, you can follow me at Zolo five six seven. Um, Z O L O five six seven. So, yeah. There you go. Hey, Trevor. Watch my let's plays on YouTube. I'm I'm Trevor Whalen on there. You should be able to recognize me amongst the other Trevor Whalens. Um, yeah, Thief FM's and right now Blood. Let's play. Hell yeah. Uh, you can follow me at Panoptimist, P-I-N-O-P-T-I-M-I-S-T. Uh, I do this other podcast about Terrace House. We just hit 69 subscribers on YouTube, and I'm so proud of that number. Hey. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait till we hit 420. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. 6662. Same. Um, but yeah, check that out. Tadaima Terrace House Podcast. It's a wild show. We talk about dinguses. It's great. <laughs> uh, that about does it for this week's episode of Project Rusty uh, until next time we'll uh, see ya bye